Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie. And welcome back to the Harder Way Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. All right. What are we talking about today? Well, today uh, we are continuing on in our series where we are looking at biblical figures and biblical accounts and how we can see the harder way either being lived out, not lived out, or somewhere in between. And uh, next up on the roster, we are looking at the story of Samson. Oh, whenever I think of Samson, I think of what my dad used to say. Your dad said something about Samson? Get a haircut, hippie. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I see the connection now. Oh, dad was military, and so we were we 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 got a military haircut, even in the seventies, and all the other kids were wearing long hair. We had a sh- we had a short short haircut, so we had the opposite of a Samson experience because Samson didn't cut his hair, At least and not- everyone else did. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so let's talk about Samson. Where did, when does he show up? Where does he show up? But what's the reason for him being around? How is he on or not on the harder way? Let's let's go for it. Well, first of all, uh, to our listeners, the accounts that we're going to be discussing can be found in the book of Judges. Specifically, you can look at uh, and read Judges 13 through 16. So you can do that now. You can pause, go go, uh, read or listen to Judges chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16. Then come back and catch up with us, or we will remind you again at the end of which chapters you can find that in, and you can read it after we've already talked about it. It took me about 25 minutes to read it. I'm a very slow reader, so uh, somebody else should be able to read it in about 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're not particularly long chapters, and especially if you're reading it in something like the New Living Translation or even NIV, it, it, it would really be a quick read. Well, let me give you a little background on some of this. First of all, in the book of Judges, you have seven cycles, uh, the seven cycles of sin. And the way the cycle of sin uh, works is basically, uh, first of all, you have God's people who are living in the promised land. So they're in God's place under God's providence and leadership in a good relationship with God, their creator. And their the relationship is governed by the covenant, and that's the, the old covenant Specifically, if you want to go to the simplest aspect of the uh, covenant, look at the the, uh, Ten Commandments, okay? These are God's covenant people living in covenant with him in a place of the promised land uh, uh, under his his governance. And remember back, what significant thing happened when God established the covenant with Abram, later Abraham? What significant thing? You mean how that how they did it? How he or... established it. Oh, okay. Sorry, I need very specific questions, you guys. When people ask me stuff, I'm my mind goes too many places. Uh, yes, I get. I see what you're getting at now. So uh, when a when God made the covenant with Abram and turned him into Abraham, um, there was a process where they they basically cut 
an animal in half. And this was a type of a covenant that you could make with anyone where you would cut an animal in half and then you would both walk through the animal. Mm. And it was to kind of symbolize that um, the covenant could not be broken just in the same way that that animal could never be put back together. And also to symbolize that it would be something that you would keep until your death. Right. Right. Because the animal's dead. And the two people would walk through it together. They would walk through it together. Yes. But when God established this covenant with uh, Abram or Abraham, he actually put Abraham to sleep and walked through himself. By himself. By himself. Yeah. Not with Abraham, which kind of set a, a, a couple things in motion. One being the fact that God was saying that he would keep both halves of the covenant. And then number two, uh, you know, when it says that the, this symbolism that this represents the covenant being kept unto your death, if we know that God is eternal and he's keeping both sides of the covenant, that then means that that covenant is truly something that is unbreakable and lasting forever. Right. And so we see in Judges that Israel is continually in this pattern of violating the covenant, getting involved with foreign women, um, uh, starting to worship foreign gods, forgetting about their covenant commitments to Yahweh, our God, and uh, and so what happens is they they everything's good, then they start going off the reservation, as you if you will, they start going out of the out of the covenant. God sends prophets to warn them. The people ignore the prophets. Then. Um, uh, so then God says, well, that's fine. And then he allows uh, God, the enemies of Israel to kind of run over Israel for a season. Then God's people cry out to God for deliverance. And then God sends a judge or sends a deliverer. And that's where we enter into the story of Samson is the Israelites have been 40 years under the rule, 40 years under the rule of the Philistines. Now the number 40, and and, and so they're crying out for a judge and God is providing. Um they're crying out for deliverance and God's providing a judge. But the number 40 is significant in the Bible. The number 40 represents uh, testing or suffering. Remember this from episode 40, you guys. <laughs> right, right, right. So and so so they may have actually been uh, uh, persecuted by the uh, under the palace, the Philistine rule for 38 years or 43 years, but the number four or, or literally 40 years. But so even if the number is is probably literal but not necessarily literal you should still take it to literally mean there was a prolonged decades long right, season right. of suffering that's what's the that's what's being communicated to you through that number is this was this was 40 was, years of suffering it, it wasn't like less than good times yeah it was jesus in the wilderness hungry you know and and and, and thirsty and tired and all of that and exposed it was bad and so when Samson is first coming onto the scene, that really is the background that the people are suffering. And you're going to hear a little bit about how Samson kind of comes into the world and you're going to be reminded of an episode that we did uh, a few weeks back, which is the, the story of Hannah. Because Samson's mother, much like Hannah, Samuel's mother, was also barren yes she was considered to be barren she had not had children she couldn't have children and god says i'm going to give you a child 
But unlike Hannah, who said, who went to God and said, give me a child and I'll dedicate him to you. God came to Samson's mother and said, I'm going to give you a child and you're going to dedicate him to me. And he's going to be what's called a Nazarite. And a Nazarite, uh, uh, he wasn't the only one. Uh, and in fact, uh, some early depictions of Jesus uh, and some of our concepts of Jesus are confused. Jesus was a Nazarene because he was from Nazareth. And people confuse that with Nazarite. Which is might be why we sometimes see so many images of Jesus with long hair. Which he probably Which he have. would not have had long hair because of the customs and laws surrounding the grooming and things. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have had long hair. And we know he couldn't have been a Nazarite because he... Uh, we know that he drank wine mm. at the Last Supper. Right. And Nazarites um, were never supposed to have any sort of fermented beverages, let alone wine, anything like that, mm -hmm. uh, even touch their lips. Yeah, and they, they could never uh, become ceremonially unclean. So they couldn't touch dead bodies. They couldn't. Well, um, and Jesus healed a leper, so. <laughs> right. Right, right. So there you go. Jesus but, was a Nazarene from Nazareth. He was not under a Nazarite vow. And and Samson's Nazarite vow was different than others as well, because some people took a Nazarite vow for a season of time. Yes. And so that what they would do is they would they would shave their head and then they would they would take a Nazarite vow and let's say for two years they would follow those rules. No mm -hmm. you know, not becoming unclean, you know, no touching dead bodies, all that kind of stuff, no alcohol, and 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 no cutting of the hair. And then at the end of the vow they would shave their head off, mm -hmm. shave not their head, their hair. Shaving <laughs> your head off is, is a one-time act. You don't, yeah, you don't get you, it. You can't do that that's, for a season, the, and yeah. once it happens, it's done. And then they would take that hair, and they would put it in, in the altar, and they would sacrifice it, make that as an offering to the Lord. So, anyway. Um, so, we, so we're already almost 10 minutes in. We haven't even really got into Samson yet. Samson comes to his barren mother and, and his father. An angel proclaims this, that he's coming and that he's going to be a Nazarite. And that uh, he's going to be there to deliver his people. Mm -hmm. So what's Samson do when he comes along? Well, we're told early on that Samson actually was raised up to be a judge over the people of Israel and ruled over the people of Israel for 20 years. Mm. So we know this. So we know that God did raise him up. Uh, to be a leader of the people of Israel, and he led them for 20 years. But we also see from the beginning, Samson struggling or seemingly struggling with the conditions of his Nazarite vow, as well as with some of the general laws and, and guidance of the Lord. Because we see him making some, I guess we'll say, questionable decisions, mm -hmm. really from the onset. We see the fact that he's going out. One of the first things that we read about him doing, I believe this is in 14, Judges 14, him going out and marrying a Philistine woman. And we see that that, that is ultimately part of God's plan for him. But at the same time, we know that this is one of the very things that God has told them not to do. Many times. Many times. It's it's in fact it's the marrying of the Philistine women. They must have been like super hot or something because the Jews kept going after him. Hey, there's a Philistine woman. Better marry him. So what if it brings condemnation on all my people? But it was that bringing the uh, the, uh, the Philistine women in that also brought in their gods and all of that. That's why in Jewish culture, 
uh, or that's part, you know, in Jewish culture, we can see an understanding that if the mother is Jewish, then the child is considered Jewish by birth. But if the father's Jewish the child and the mother's not, the child has to convert. Right. And that continues to this day. Well, we see the same thing uh, uh, there. God's recognizing that it's the mother who is with that child exclusively the first four years or so in those extremely important times of their life where they're being formed. And, uh, you know, the mother has a tremendous influence over that. And if you want to open up your child to foreign gods, the best way to do it is to have foreign wives. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, this is an opportunity to share just briefly a quick dispelling of a myth, which is that many people who criticize the Bible will will say that this idea of not marrying, quote unquote, foreign women is something that is racist in nature and is about keeping races separated and not marrying outside of your own race, when in actuality, it has nothing to do with race and has to do with religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it has to do with holiness. And so um, we actually see that in under that old covenant that people were allowed to come in and convert if they were willing for the men to be circumcised, the women to follow the laws, all these things. Right. And it didn't matter if you were previously from a different tribe, you could join. And we, we also know that, you know, going f- forward in time, that there were Ethiopian Jews, and I mean, and there were there were Jews in Africa that were yes, right. I mean, so it, it was, wasn't a racial thing; uh-uh. it was a religious thing. And so right. when people try to say, you know, if you hear someone trying to justify being against interracial marriage and trying to use the Bible, that is absolutely untrue. And we can see time and time again evidences for God making no distinction between right. races. So right. we want to be very clear about that. But him, but Samson going and marrying this Philistine woman was going against a God's proclamation that you need to marry people who are also members of the covenant. Right. You need to fall, marry people who are following my law, who know the truth. Okay, that's a, that's a great diverse... It's on topic, but it's a diversion from the topic, and I think it's really great because there's a real illustration of the harder way right there, mm, okay. I think. So, um, number one, we see that that when we as Christians are looking at the world around us, we need to see that there are only two races. Yes, there's absolutely. The Christian race. That's why in First Peter it tells us that we are a, a chosen people, a holy nation, people belonging to God. And that we are, you know, that we we've become something new. So when you become a Christian, you literally, you you know, you don't just identify as a new race. You are a new race. We become a new race. So there's two races: the Christian, the, the Adamic race, those who are who have not been redeemed, and then we and we and then there's the Christians, those who have been redeemed by Christ, and that's it. And that's all the only categories we really need to be concerned with. That's the God way, yes. the world way. Is to see everything uh, through the lens of the skin tones and the shapes of noses and lips and all that. I mean, kind what of... country you're from and what you know. Yes, absolutely insane, absolutely insane that people even think that way. Um, so we need to reframe ourselves and to really and the harder way is to see things God's way and to see things God's way is to put them in those two categories and keep them there and not allow yourself to be distracted by the world mm. to see things differently. Absolutely. 
Well, after we see Samson marrying this Philistine woman, you know, which again is something that he really was not supposed to be doing, but he chose to do it anyway. We then see him doing something that I think in and of itself is a little bit illustrative of his heart posture. Okay. So he's going along and he sees a lion's carcass that bees have gone in and created a hive it's inside a li- of. It's a lion he killed. Yes. And it says and it says that he ripped it apart. So it's probably like it's probably torn into pieces. I mean it's probably like yeah it's a mess. But so but yeah. go on he sees the lion that he comes back a few days he had killed. Actually I had read something where someone was making the point that it would have had to be a little bit longer of a period of time because just in the fact that birds of prey or other animals would have had to come and eat all of the meat out because uh, bees, honeybees, uh, will not Bill will not make their hives or anything where there is um, like dead like rotting flesh. rotting flesh and stuff. Okay, so it'd been a while. So it'd been probably probably at least a couple days, maybe longer, to give to make sure that thing was kind of just cleared out by all probably the vultures or whatever. So anyway, he comes back. It was a lion that he killed, but he sees this lion, and now it's filled with honey, and he scrapes. And just hang on real quick, so people can get a visual. It's filled with a beehive, not in a box, but oh yes, right? yes, a beehive, and then the honey is in the comb. Right, and so, but there's a lot yes. of it. Okay, yeah. Not just like a lion like dead on the ground filled with like liquid honey or something. When the poo comes along. Yeah, no, honey. no, no. <laughs> no. And so Samson scrapes it out of the carcass. He eats it for himself, but then he mm. also takes some and gives it to his parents. So here's where I think the illustration lies. Number one, something seemingly good and sweet that's inside of something terrible and dead. So... Oh, well, yeah, you preach. were staring at me. I was preach. like, oh, yeah. So saying, okay, well, this is a good thing, even though it's shrouded in something that is gross and dead and evil and unclean. And number two, him basically having this heart posture of not really caring about keeping his vow other than just technically, because that would have been a dead carcass of an animal. That he really was not supposed to be messing with. Because killing an animal is one thing. But specifically according to the cleanliness laws. Once an animal has been dead. Which again it would have been dead for at least a couple of days. Right. And then coming back to it. That would then be considered unclean. And as part of his Nazarite vow. He was not supposed to become richly unclean. Lions in general are also a type of meat that they were not supposed to be eating. So but an unclean So that would be considered unclean as well. But he goes in and just takes the honeycomb out and eats that. Well, I'm not t- I'm not actually technically touching the carcass or eating the lion's meat or becoming unclean from that. He fed it to his parents. And it says it, he didn't tell them. Did, so you see, you see some real character flaws here. You see, number one, he's being religious. He is doing what people do when they're given rules. And that is he's trying to... Uh, get around the get as close to the edge of the rule as he can get without breaking it, and so he's didn't technically break the rule, but he sure came close. And then uh, he dishonored. I think he dishonored his parents by not telling them this is where I got this from because I think they would have rejected it. Well, and it shows that he knew 
that even though he hadn't technically broken any of the official rules, that he was doing something wrong. Now, I think Samson's purpose uh, is a is. I think we see a really interesting thing happening here, uh, and this is a real theological point. But there is, uh, we really struggle with understanding how God can be sovereign and be in control over everything, and yet we can have free will, right? Yeah. But I think we... People have been wrestling with that for 2,000 years. Right. And I, but I think we can see a really good picture of this theological truth in the life of Samson, because here we have Samson. He's not... He's not doing very well on the harder way. He's not doing things God's way. He's doing no. things more like a religious person's way. Uh, he's not walking by faith as much as he seems to be just walking by the flesh. Um, and uh, and yet, ultimately, we see Samson defeated, now looking to God and saying, Lord, give me strength one last time. And God uses him in that last moment to take out all of the leader's of mm-hmm. of the of the Philistines. I mean, you, it says that he killed more people when he knocked down that building uh, and, and died than he did through all of his life. And we know that he probably killed thousands. We know he killed at least thirteen hundred. That's listed in the scripture, literally. Yeah. So he killed a lot of people in that moment. So it's like God uses this guy who's who's going through life and kind of acting like an idiot, you know, being with prostitutes, getting involved with Philistine women, um, loses his first wife. Yeah, because his dad's like, hey, I thought you didn't really like her anyway. Her, her so. dad, I think it was. So yeah. Her dad, her dad his, yeah. Gave it was him, his dad. It was his, gave, him away, gave his wife away. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that you loved her based on your actions. And uh, I can tell you that I'm looking at the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, it looks like Samson is, he doesn't care a lick about this woman that he insisted on having. Yeah. He insisted. Like she, going, I, he was willing to go against God's law for this woman. So there's a, then that was, that's the easy way. Get what you want. Don't ignore think about God's, the consequences. Don't think ignore about the, God's law. <clears throat> or God's law or anything else. Don't do it God's way. So I think there was pro- probably another way for these things to happen, uh, but this was this was the way that it happened because Samson uh, has free will thing. and he made poor decisions. Yeah. I, I think that I think from the t- this is just my opinion, but I think that based on the way the angel appeared to him, that's in the first chapter, appeared to his parents, the way he was he was brought up. I'll bet you he was told he was special every day of his life. And when you wind up, grow up thinking you're special, you have this sense of entitlement, a sense that you're above the rules, a sense that you can kind of do what you want. And then you have all this power. And Samson had tremendous power. I mean, you think about him fighting, killing a thousand men. Okay. Um, But basically fighting them on hand-to-hand combat. Um, That's pretty insane. I haven't always been a Christian. And I've, and I've, uh, been in a, in a fight more than once with multiple people. And I can tell you one person against three people, you're going to lose. That's, unless, even if you're stronger than all three. Even if you get to jump on them. Yeah. yeah. One, one man against three men, you're, you're going to lose or you're going to, you, even if you walk away, you're going to wish you had gotten in that fight. Okay. And unless you're a trained fighter, if you're a trained fighter, you might be able to go 
in a fight with, against multiple people going full out, you might be able to go full out for 10 minutes. And that's an insane amount of time. The average person, 30 seconds. You might th you know what you see in the movies, but in reality, you've got 30 seconds. How long does it take Samson uh, with a jawbone of a, of a donkey to kill a thousand men? That's got to be hours of, of nonstop fighting. Yeah, I think sometimes we underestimate just how strong he was. Yeah, and how much crazy, endurance. And how much endurance he had and this crazy ability that he'd been given by God, this blessing, this gift. And it's it's so it's so much more than you actually think of when you lay it out like that. So I think God is using Samson as his vessel to bring judgment upon the Philistines for their... Um, you know, for oppression uh, of his people, oppression and, of his people. Even though God allowed the oppression, it was still the Philistines of their own free will who did the decided oppression. Decided to do it. So there's consequences for that, and we see that that goes forward thematically all throughout the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, mm -hmm. we see those who are against God, the enemies of God, have consequences. Yes. But good grief, um, you know. Again, it from Sam, from Samson's perspective, he's doing everything in his own will for his own way. Well, he's always putting himself in situations that he shouldn't be putting himself in. You know, we see as a Nazarite, he's not supposed to be consuming alcohol, and yet he's having all of these long feasts. And that's one of the key parts of feasts at that time were, you know, there was a lot of consumption of alcohol. That was a big part of it. So, you know, he's not supposed to be drinking, but yet he's going to this place where everybody's all drinking. You know, he is not supposed to be touching corpses of animals, and yet he's scraping honey out of the corpse. He's not supposed to be, you know, he's supposed to be being separate and following God's law, but he's marrying a Philistine woman, but he's going and soliciting prostitutes. And as we kind of transition into this last portion of the story, when he goes to the town to solicit the prostitute, it's when he's in that area that he comes across Delilah. So he puts himself in a situation that he should not have been in in the first place because he's going into sin by by soliciting a prostitute. And then that's when he comes across Delilah. Right. And Delilah, you know, that's the part of the story that we're all familiar with, right? Where, uh, you know, Delilah seduces him and she gets taken in by the Philistines who say, we'll give you this money if you can figure out why he's so strong. And he kind of gives her the runaround a couple times. Like, oh, I'm so strong. You know, the only way I'll lose my strength is if you tie me with these reeds. Oh, no, tie me with these ropes. Oh, tie me with my own hair. And what's interesting, yeah, what's interesting is he's toying with her. Mm -hmm. I think he's getting the loving he wants. I, that's what I think. And I think that he's um, toying with her. Uh, he, he probably thinks it's funny. Okay, but here's the thing. This has happened three times now. Yeah. And then he tells her, well, actually, this is... If you cut my hair... Then I'm going to lose I'm my strength. I'm going to lose my strength okay. because that means I will have gone against my vow to God. Here's the thing. It's not like he didn't know what she was going to do. She Every single thing he told her to do... To take away his power and to let the Philistines set upon him, she did it. It's and like, then had the Philistines show up. Yes. Oh no, the Philistines are upon you. The Philistines are upon you. Samson, how dumb are you? What? Why do you? 
Like, I, you know, he's messing with her and stuff, but then eventually he tells her the real thing, even though he's seen the reason she wants to know is so that she can have your strength be gone and have the Philistines come and attack you. Now, now I will say this. There, there's two explanations for this. One, he's being a jerk and, 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 and he's just playing with her. The other is, and I've seen this when we go, when we take our Bibles into, into, you know, persecuted, uh, nations, I've seen on multiple occasions, uh, and this is actually our prayer. We say, Lord, we, uh, we pray, Lord, that you who can make blind eyes see would make seeing, seeing eyes, eyes temporarily blind. blind, just temporarily. We don't pray for permanent blindness for them. Right. But what that means is like to dull their minds. And we, and I've seen that where I'm, I've got my Bibles are in a suitcase on an x-ray machine. The lady in front of me, all of her stuff, the Chinese lady in front of me, all of her stuff dumps all over the place. I'm helping her pick up all of her stuff. While my Bibles are sitting on the x-ray machine, I can see the screen on the x-ray machine of the... And I can see the guard staring at the x-ray machine with literally Bibles. And I can see the cross and the word, the Chinese word for Holy Bible on the screen of the of the, the x-ray uh, uh, viewer. And the guy's like he's looking at nothing. Like he's looking right through it. And this is the same guy that busted me a week earlier. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, this is... Incidentally, I asked him because he busted me again later. Uh, and I asked him, I said, You busted me my first day. I've been coming through here for two weeks bringing Bibles into China. Why didn't you stop me? You, I've seen you every day. And he said in a straight face, deadpan, You white people all look the same to me. Oh, man. With your big noses. <laughs> I wow. was dying. Wow. But the point, though, I digress, is that. Uh, is that God could have could have dulled Samson's mind and allowed him just to make that foolish mistake over and over again as well, in order for his will to be done, which is what what winds up happening. So the 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 she shaves so his she, head. She shaves his head. He loses his strength. The Philistines capture him. They gouge his eyes out. Yeah. Which is a little not neighborly. Yeah, not super friendly. Don't love that. They gouge his eyes out, and then they basically. Put him up as kind of a show of, look, we captured Samson. Right. We're going to put him in our temple and tie him up. And he said, well, because I'm blind, can you put me by some pillars so I can kind of tell where I am and hold myself up and stuff? And there are thousands of people there in this temple. And in my mind, my assumption is that they're there partially to see him. Oh, yeah. Because he's somebody that's killed their people. He's somebody that represents the people of Israel. So he's a, you know, kind of like a elephant in the circus at this point. Everybody wants to come and see him right. and see that he's been captured. And he's there, Samson, and he cries out to God and says, Lord, let me just have your strength one more time so that I can have victory over these people. He cries out to God and asks for this. And God answers his prayer, returns his strength, and Samson pulls down the pillars of that temple, crashes it down, and kills thousands of people, and he dies as a result as well. Yeah. And so... So a I, crazy ending to Samson's And I think story. that was God's ultimate plan, obviously, was to do this, was to get him in a place to take out all the leaders as a single person. Um, and I think uh, there's a couple of principles there... We're already at 30 minutes. So we want to go a couple more minutes on this one. Um, hey, we had to cover a lot of chapters here. 
Uh, we did. This is a bit, a bit longer than uh, last week yeah. when it was only a couple verses we were right, covering. Right, right, right. But I think we can see the harder way in this way. Sometimes the harder way requires us to lay our life down for God's plan. In fact, that's really what we're called to do as Christians is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, Romans 12, Romans 12. 1. Um, we're, we're, we're really uh, supposed to take up our cross, which means to take up the whatever suffering it is. What scripture tells us those who, who, if we seek to save our lives, will lose it, but those who give up our lives w- will find it, right? Yes. And I think that Samson found his redeeming moment. I think his whole life had been for that moment. And, and the, this, this whole life of being, I mean, I wouldn't want to be his friend. I wouldn't like to be around him, uh, no. the kind of guy he was. But in that moment, when he finally submits to God, and he finally submits to the plan of God, the, and he lays his life down for the will of God, that's the moment when he's chosen the harder way. And often the harder way will not lead to physical death. Very few were chosen to actually be martyred. It's a very elite group. But it, it will almost always lead to, to inconvenience. It will almost always lead to hardship or challenge or suffering. But in that, our faith grows, our intimacy with Christ grows, our dependence upon the Lord grows, and we become the people that he designed us to be. And so Samson, in that moment, became the person I think that God designed him to be all along, a self-sacrificing hero. Yeah. who was the arm of God's vengeance and judgment and the redeemer of his people. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes you think about how how things could have been for him had he been willing to walk that harder way from the beginning, mm-hmm. had he chosen to do what he was called to do instead of constantly looking for ways to get off on technicalities or, or be a bully or to be a bully or to be manipulative. We see, we didn't go super deep into it, but an instance where he is kind of toying with people and, Oh, I'm going to make this riddle that no one's going to be able to solve. He seemed to kind of have fun messing with people. Yeah. Just like we saw this with Delilah. And I think that as Christians, we need to be very careful about how we're going about living our lives. Are we, treating people with dignity? Are we being legalistic instead of, you know, choosing to follow the Mm. spirit of the law as Mm -hmm. opposed to the letter of the law? Are we being like Samson and constantly putting ourselves in situations that we shouldn't be and then acting surprised when we mess up? Right. Right? Yes, we are. We all do that (laughs) to some extent or another. Hey, listen, speaking of mess up, um, next week's Thanksgiving. That's, uh, speaking of, that's quite a segue for Thanksgiving. Yeah, what are that, we anticipating well, to happen? Well, I was just thinking of people whose turkeys always turn out dry, not oh, mine. No. I will say he always gets compliments every single year on how, how well his turkey turns out. That's right. I can vouch it is good. Now it's going to be a mess. There would be a fire in the house now. We've, we've cursed ourselves. No, listen, we're going to do a, we're going to do a special Thanksgiving episode that will drop on Thanksgiving uh, next week instead of on Friday as normal. Perfect thing to listen to while you're preparing your dinner so that instead of getting stressed and worried about everything or getting frustrated at your family, you can just listen to us talk about the Bible. Now, Maddie, Maddie <laughs> is our 
is our programmer, which means that she really decides the topics that we're going to discuss typically, and then we go through them together. Uh, and so, Maddie, are there some things that you're thinking about uh, uh, addressing next week on the Thanksgiving episode? Yes, I thought it would be interesting to speak about really our forefathers, right? Those who came before us on the Mayflower, those people who were kind of at the first Thanksgiving that, you know, for those of you who aren't aware, they were persecuted Christians. And so I think there are some interesting things to talk about with uh, the pilgrims and kind of a little bit of the history around Thanksgiving. So you're not going to want to miss that. And then I also want to take a little bit of time to really focus in on the importance of gratitude, thankfulness, contentment on the harder way and how stewardship plays into that as well. That sounds like a great topic. I can't wait to hear it. Oh, wait, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about it first. (laughs) Well, listen, God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us on the, on the harder way podcast for listening to us. If this has ministered to you, uh, don't just be, don't just be a stagnant pool of water that receives and doesn't give, um, open up the floodgates, share this podcast with somebody else, Uh, Just tell them they can find the Harder Way podcast anywhere where they're listening to podcasts. And uh, if you just put it into Google or Bing or any internet search, it'll pop right up onto our uh, Buzzsprout. And if you hit us up at nationsforjc at uh, gmail.com, hit us up today and and we will get you the December uh, issue of the Courier Update. Uh, This is going to be our China edition where we're doing an update on what's going on in China and looking at some comparisons between the current state in China and the in the world in which Jesus was born. Ooh, fascinating. So, now that's going to be good. So yeah, make so, sure that you guys get signed up for that career update now so that you can be on the mailing list when we get that out for December. All right. Well, God bless you. Thanks for spending some time with us. Yes, we will catch you next week and we'll see you on Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Harder Way Podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.